Sing, O barren one who did not bear, break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not been in labor for the children of the desolate will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. Now, verse 2 is a very prophetic verse that you probably have heard it many, many times, spoken over your life many, many times. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back, lengthen your cords, and strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you will speak to us with amazing clarity. Use this mouth of clay to proclaim your word this morning to those who are here and whoever is watching on the internet, that I pray that freedom will be realized in our lives so that we can live fully to our potential. In Jesus' name, everybody says, Amen. Now, in this church, you probably heard many people had prophesied over this church that we need to get ready because revival is coming, more people are coming, there's going to be increased. And you probably have heard people prophesy over your life with these very scriptures telling you to get ready, enlarge your tent, you know, and get ready because God is going to pour it out. And we heard that, and many people have, have been encouraged to get ready and and and. Uh, and, and but no one had really taught us what it means to be ready. We were told that we need to give so that we can get more. And I'm not knocking giving because I believe in giving. My family and I involved in giving, not only in this church, but whatever charities is out there that had an appeal to us. We try to get involved in be as generous as possible because we believe the Word of God is true. That when we tithe, God is going to bless us. And when we give beyond our tithes, He's going to bless us even more. And so every opportunity that our family had, had we, we just, we just want to sow seed to bless people. I tell you this. This, you know, we've, 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 I've lived 50 years. I'm 50 years old. Can you believe that? I'm 50 years old. I've been a tithing practitioner for the past, I don't know, since I was 10. 40 years. 40 years. I've been tithing. I remember my mom used to give me $10 a month. I would tie a buck. And I tell you this, every time I tie, God bless me. You know, you heard stories about, you know, uh, one time I was really young, you know, 10 years old, I wanted to bless a preacher. And I broke my piggy bank, and I took all the little coins I have and took that preacher to, to have, a, you know, to eat, you know. And, and that preacher, you know, I don't know what he was thinking. He probably said, you know, this is so embarrassing, you know, being fed by this little kid, right? But, you know, uh, but, you know he understood the power of giving. He let me feed him. And so I fed him. And, and within a week, God blessed me with 10 times of what I blessed him with. And nobody taught me. I just wanted to do it because I just wanted to bless him. I wasn't looking for return. But God was teaching me the principle of giving beyond tithing. And so it, it works. It, it's powerful. And we've been taught. But I want to tell you this. Many people have been tithing and giving and have seen no return. And the return is very marginal. And you wonder why. Is God inconsistent? I want to tell you this. We all have been praying for open heaven. God, we pray for open heaven to pour over our lives. Blessing, blessing, your Holy Spirit come, anointing come. 
And yet we haven't seen any open heaven. We thought God hasn't heard our prayer. But you know, I want to tell you this. The good news this morning is that the heaven is already open. And three people say amen because the rest of you are not convinced because you look at your life, you say, hey, there is no help in heaven. What do you mean open heaven? I don't see nothing. The problem is not the open heaven. Heaven has been open since the day the Holy Spirit came. Heaven has been open when Jesus declared it is finished and his blood has covered the earth. So his glory is covering the earth. His Holy Spirit come and fill his church and open heaven has been open since the day of Pentecost. It hasn't closed. So what's the problem? I'll tell you what the problem is. The problem is our capacity to receive. Our inability to receive. It's not God's inability to pour it out. He's not a liar. He's faithful to his word. It's our inability to receive. In other words, you and I, our capacity is, listen, the limiting factor of how much blessing we receive. Yes, you have been giving. Yes, you've been generous. Yes, you pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But have you considered that you haven't had the capacity to receive what has been, has been pouring out over your life? If I want to title my sermon this morning, I will call it The Increasing of Capacity. Increasing Capacity. Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 4. Now, you're all very familiar with this scripture. 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to start with verse 1. Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. But the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? It's funny, he didn't say, what can I do for you? And he stopped there. He went ahead and said, what do you have? Do you realize that whatever that you have in your life is the tools and the vessels that God wants to use to pour out his blessing over you? Don't try to look for something you don't have. Just check what you have. Because what you have is already enough for the blessings of God. So don't go and just show, I, I need this talent. That, you know, just look for what you have first. Some people don't even know what they have or what they don't have. What do you have? In, I, I don't know. What do you have? In, I, I never checked. Well, check, man. And she says, a servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, go outside and borrow something similar to what you already have. I'll preach that later. Okay? Borrow vessels. In other words, we're talking about leverage, but I'm not talking about money. I know a lot of people say that good debt, bad debt. I really don't believe that. I haven't even been debt for the 10, last 10 years. No mortgage, no nothing. It's free. 
I remember when I graduated from university, you know, decided to do what everybody's doing, go, go, you know, get married and bought a house, you know. As soon as I got that mortgage, man, I felt like there was a rock on me. I was determined not to live with a life that getting used to debt. I've decided I will not get used to debt. You know, my boss was telling me after, you know, I was working in the secular world, you know, and after they heard me got a house, you know, and uh, my boss, you know, the, the, the president of the Canadian division of the company said, oh, great, man, now you have the pressure to perform. Now you have to make more money so that you can pay for your debt. I say to myself, man, what have I gotten myself into? So I've determined with all my heart, from that day onwards, every single extra dime I have, instead of going out and have a bubble tea, if you know what that is, instead of going to have an extra $5 cappuccino from Starbucks, I save every dime I have and just put it into paying off debt. I pay off my debt 10 years before the bank said, or actually 15 years before the bank said I, I needed to, 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 to use to, to pay off my debt. But I tell you, after the debt is gone, it's like, Woo, yeah. You can be there too. You don't need to live under debt. You need to adjust your lifestyle a little bit. And man, once your, your, your debt is gone, I tell you, you feel like a bird. You know, they just recently raised, I'm not talking about, you know, I just want to talk about bad news. But the truth is, they, you know, TD, TD just raised the mortgage rates to its highest level for the longest time. And they have the highest posted rate, 5.95%. Whoa. And you know, the newspaper is saying a lot of people are finding themselves in, 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 in a bit of a stretch because now they, they have to put more money into mortgage and so forth. But friends, do whatever you can. Get out of debt. Then you'll be out, the, get off the rid and they can't control you. That you're not living under fear. Oh my goodness, I don't know. I hope they don't raise the rate. You don't really care anymore. It's like, whatever. Raise it to 20% if I care. The only reason why I care is for the people in this church. I pray, God, I pray that they can afford it. I pray for you that you can afford it. But anyways, it's not about borrowing money. Back to my sermon. Okay? Borrow vessel from all your neighbors, empty vessels, and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels in secret. And when it's full, set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, they brought the vessel to her. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there's not another than the oil, the blessing stopped. When did the blessing stop? When the capacity is full. Can you imagine if she had 10 times more vessel, the oil will continue to flow. Many of us have not received more blessing. It's because our capacity is full. You say, I don't feel full. I'm telling you, it is full. The reason is because our capacity is very limited. We have limited capacity to receive the blessing of God. She came and told the man of God, he said, go sell the oil and pay for your debts. And you and your sons can live on the rest. 
You know, the blessing of God is always extravagant. He always gives you more than you need. I remember that, you know, you remember the story in the Old Testament, you know, when God reigned in man, uh, quail and manna, the Word of God says that they always have leftover on the field. And some of them tried to be smart, didn't want to obey the Lord, didn't trust God, think that God is not going to reign in manna and quail anymore, so they tried to save a little bit. And whatever they saved actually got rotten. The fact is that God always gives you more than what you need. He's not a God that just gives you a morsel of, okay, this is just five cents. Here, take it. Be happy. Our God we serve is an extravagant God. The reason we're not living in extravagant is because there is a limitation in our capacity to receive from the Lord. Now I pray this morning that God will show you how it is that you can increase your capacity to receive from the Lord. Each and every one of us have different areas in our lives that we need to cause increase or ask God to give us wisdom to bring increasing capacity. I don't know what yours is. I know what mine's are. I'm going to share with you a few points and how to increase your capacity, the general one. But the Holy Spirit really needs to speak to each and every one of you. There are certain things in your life that you need to pay attention on. There things that brings increase in your capacity, the things that actually bring decrease in your capacity. When I was younger, God gave me this, I knew God gave me this gift of the gab. I can't do math. Actually, I'm starting to get pretty good at doing housework. I certainly cannot cook. Actually, I can cook the food that only me can eat. Nobody wants to eat. <laughs> I don't have a lot of talents. But let me talk. That's why before I became a preacher, I was a sales guy. Love talking, man. Can't stop me talking. Love to work the room, you know. We always say work the room, right? Also, sales representative, you know, we usually have a lot of events, you know, and so we, we, there's a terminology we use, just, just work the room, man. Just, just, just talk to all your customers. Just, just make sure they're happy, whatever. So work the room. I love it. Some people feel it. Oh, man, I got to do it. It's like, can I talk to more people, you know? Five hours later, I can still do it. I think my mom has a bit of that. Sometimes when she calls me, it's supposed to be a two-minute conversation. It drags on to like an hour, you know, something like that. She loves to talk. I remember one time I was driving her to the hospital. You know, that before she's like, oh, I'm so sick, whatever. So next day we were on our way to the hospital to see a doctor. She just, the minute she got in the car, nonstop. And I turned to her and I said, where did all this energy come from, <laughs> you know? So I can talk. But this talk, this gift of the gap was my limitation too. Because I, I just sometimes couldn't control myself. I speak my mind. We think in this age of political, you know, you know, a lot of people think it's a, it's a noble thing to say that, you know, I, I just want to speak my mind. I am bold enough. I'm not scared so I can speak my mind. As though it's some kind of noble act. It isn't. It's childish. It's undignified. I'm not the only one who say that. Proverbs 18, verse 12. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only revealing his own mind. 
Proverbs 29, verse 11. A fool uttereth his mind, all his mind, but a wise man keeps it in till afterwards. Another scripture says, we are wise men on deep water. Deep water. Only those who are wise can get information out of them. Wise people don't volunteer information. But I did not know that. So I, didn't, I, I, I saw myself couldn't increase my influence because I always spoke my mind until there's nothing in my mind. <laughs> Empty shell. I want to encourage you. You know, so that was one of the things that I had to experience. God had to change me. Now let's go back to the scripture. How do we increase our capacity? One of the things we can do is increase in knowledge. Spiritual knowledge and otherwise. See, when you increase in your knowledge, you increase your capacity. Let me give you a very simple example. Say, for example... You are very smart, very intelligent, and you have amazing IQ, and some of you do. And yet you find yourself not having enough opportunities. You think to yourself, and I used to think that when I was younger, that you were smarter than your boss. I always thought my boss, they were so stupid. And I let people know about it, and that's why I got fired. My first job couldn't last six months because I was telling them, you guys don't know what's going on. This, you know, while what I said was true, It was true. All this, you know, I was working for the second largest computer company in the world. And I was voicing my opinion anytime, anywhere I could. You know, this, this you know, it's, it was a company called Digital. I was telling them, you know, you know, Unix is the next thing, man. Come on, you know, like this company, they're still in the dark age, you know, blah, 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 right? Before you know it, they fire me, right? I thought to myself, why? I'm smarter than them. <laughs> no. But anyways, I thought, why? You know, some of you thought, why is it I, can, I don't get, can, can't get the promotion because of my limited knowledge? You know, to succeed, let me tell you this. For those of you who work in the corporate world, to succeed is very easy. It's very clear. The path is very clear. You want to be the next president of TD or whatever or the chief information, get yourself an MBA. You open a lot of doors. Increase in knowledge and credentials. Increase in capacity. Next time there's an, a promotion opportunity, which is a lot, you'll be picked. There are people who say, especially young people, like my son, he's not here now. I can use him. He said, all this math, man, they're useless. I said, boy, I said the same thing when I was your age. But let me tell you this, they are not useless. They're very useful. Because if you limit your capacity, you limit your horizon. You limit your knowledge, you limit your horizon. You can only see that much. When you increase your knowledge, you raise yourself up, you can see further. Same thing in the knowledge of the Word of God. In fact, I think that's very more important than the knowledge of the world. A lot of people think they know the Word of God. Well, they don't know the Word of God. They're just familiar with all the preaching of their favorite preachers. They don't know the Word of God. 
They haven't studied the Word of God, given time to just you know, read the Word of God. Proverbs like that can change your life. If you've been a person that just, just always speak your mind, these Proverbs would have helped you and would have saved you some amazing job or opened up new opportunities for you. Thank you, Sister Mavis. Second, increased capacity may, in, may, may include increasing in sensitivity to the voice of God. Why is that important? The voice of God is what gives you creativity. If you don't have creativity, you are just like the regular schmo. What will put you ahead is your creativity in solving problems in your workplace, at home, or anywhere else. Creativity is ideas that nobody has thought of, but it came from heaven. Some of you, God needs to speak to, some, to you some new ideas. You've been struggling in your career path. You've been struggling in getting a spouse. You've been struggling with your finances. Just one word, one revelation, one voice of God, not man. You heard it from God and maybe confirmed by man, but you heard it from God. Because if you really heard it from God, you will see fruits. And results. Many people say, I heard from the Lord this, I heard from the Lord that. And you look at the life, uh-uh. Ain't from the Lord. Maybe from a really good persuasive preacher. Awesome. But ain't from the Lord. What you want is, by the time you come to church, I know many of you do the same thing. You, can, you tell me, Pastor, man, God has been speaking to me exactly what you're saying this morning. It confirms to you that I'll be the case. You have been hearing the voice of God throughout the week, and I'm here just to confirm it. Is anybody at home this morning? Increase in faith. Faith comes from hearing God's voice. You know, Romans 10, 17 says, Faith cometh by hearing, hearing the voice of God. A lot of people say, well, it's the word of God. No, the original Greek text is rhema. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by rhema. What is rhema? This is logos. Your Bible is logos. It's a written word. Rhema is the voice of God. You need to learn how to hear the voice of God. Not the voice of your mother talking or your father talking. Another, in, another thing that you might consider to increase your capacity is being open-minded, willing to learn new revelation, new ideas, not stuck in one doctrine or one movement. You know, I've been a Christian for all my life. I have seen in my short little time span, half a century, oh my goodness, half a century. That's a long time. Half a century old. Hmm. In this half a century that I've existed on this planet Earth, I have seen at least three different movements. The first one was, by the time I was born, the Pentecostal movement already started, and they already have established a denomination called the Assemblies of God, Foursquare, PAOC, whatever, right? Those already established by the time I was born. And then when I was in, in the 70s, that would be when I was before I was 12, I heard about this thing called the charismatic movement in the 70s. I tell you this, the people that attacked the charismatic movements were those assemblies of God and Pentecostal guys. They go, this is heresy, you know, this is too much. 
But charismatic basically is talking about gifts, grace gifts. Talk about gifts. They're just trying to apply all the different gifts. Pentecostal, they were so happy just speaking in tongues. But God has the seven, he's got so many gifts he wants the church to exercise in. And by the way, it's the church. You can't do it at home. You can't prophesy to yourself at home. That's, you know, prophecies for that. That's why church coming together is important. And for those of you watching on the internet, no condemnation, but the gifts of God is for us to gather together to exercise on each other the gifts. Anyways, the charismatic movement, you know, we're doing all kinds of charismatic things. And then, and then you had, and then, then you know, and then the next, next thing would be the, the healing movement. The healing movement actually started in the 40s, but then again, you know, it became more emphasized. And then, the, you know, the latter rain movement, and then, you know, uh, the, the, uh, the word of faith movement, and then, and then we have the, uh, the latest, the renewal movement, you know, all the different movement. The funny thing is that a lot of people, when they were, many of them were blessed with a certain movement. And that's, all, that's where they stay. I'm a Pentecostal. Oh, you need to know the gifts. No, I'm just Pentecostal. And they talk about the good old move of God. Oh, remember the old days when the Holy Spirit was moving. We're all speaking in tongues. And I, hallelujah, all day long. What about the gifts? Nope. Don't want to hear it. Don't have nothing to do with it. And then after the charismatic word of faith movement. And the charismatic people attacked the word of faith movement. And then you got a word of faith movement, people, you know, the attack, you know just, just people want to stay in one doctrine. And they just, you know, it's like Peter, he saw the glory of God on the mountain with James and John. And then he wanted to build a shelter. He wants to stay there. He wants to create theology about the glory of God. And that's what a lot of people do. They stay in one move of God. They create theology. They create all those little intricate theology about, you know, different things, different doctrines, you know. And, you know, it's like, you know, Peter would write a book about it. And then somebody who read the book and write a book on top of what Peter was written. And then somebody else had had a new revelation about this glory of God and the voice of God, you know. God, God spoke in such a, such a strong tone. He must be angry at the time or he must be happy. You can, you can dwell in that one thing and do the, have all kinds of theology being created. Well, the thing is, God didn't want that. He said to Peter and the James and John, listen to my son. He will give you new instruction. Don't dwell here. That's why the glory didn't stick around. Do you know there are a lot of movements? All movements. Many, many of the people in those movements are still staying there. Just try to, I don't know, it's like Peter is staying at the mountain after the glory has gone. Just hanging around after the, in the afterglow. And the afterglow gets weaker and weaker. And you know what to do? They create more programs to prop it up. They create more theology to prop it up. They create more services to prop it up. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Conferences. Shandai. But what God wants you to do is to move on because he got new things he wants to reveal to you, ideas, new things he's doing, new things that he wants the world to know about. He's looking for a group of people that are willing to uncap their capacity and let God doing new things. So in other words, there's no sacred cow. I always say this. The best way to live is live in a way that you have nothing to defend, no reputation, nothing, no doctrine, nothing to defend. Always willing to let go and let God. Open to change. Another way to, to increase your capacity, I used to study how to increase my capacity, you know. 
of, of anointing. So I will fast and pray, and, and, and those are great. But the Holy Spirit revealed something to me that was completely not what I'd expected. He taught me how to rest and yield. That's when the anointing increases. I want to fast, I still pray. But the increase of capacity is through yielding. Maybe that's what you need is to you. How do you rest, man? Surrender, not, not being lazy. I'm not talking about being lazy. You need to get involved. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. One more idea. Increase your capacity through others. How? Being taught by them. I used to think, you know, only Holy Spirit can teach me. Holy Spirit, you and me, me and Jesus. It was true for a season. I really, somebody said, we need to detoxify. I needed to get detoxified because there's so many stuff going on, churchy stuff. I was confused. I need to detox and just me and Jesus, just for a season. And then I, the Holy Spirit started to lead me to be involved in relationship again. We need to be involved in relationship. You know, as a pastor, I can't just run this race by my own. I need other pastors to help me, younger ones, older ones. So, you know, they're all the pastors that I, I, I approach and say, can you teach me? Can you show me? The younger pastors are, that, that are younger than me, I, tell, I ask them to teach me. You know, last week, you know, we, we, took a, we took the staff downtown to a church. We didn't tell anybody about it. It's, it's a church that is half the size of this church, but they're experiencing tremendous growth. I, will learn, I want to learn. I want to know what's going on. So I took my team down, and man, they were all pumped up, you know, and, and we, we saw them doing the worship, and they have a venue that is like, you know, half of this, half of this middle section, half. And so they had to have two services, and we saw them how they transitioned from one service to another, you know, and it was fun. It was just, we, our team learned so much. I learned so much. This fellow is younger than me. He has a church that's smaller than mine. But, you know, I'm learning from him. I told him, thank you so much for teaching me. You can learn from everybody if you're willing to humble yourself. Can I hear an amen? amen. Hallelujah. Another thing I've learned is this, is that when I can't do it, I would rely on somebody else to do it. In order for me to increase my capacity as a pastor, I need to learn how to let go of some of the things that I love doing as a natural nerd. I love computers. I love network. I love software. I love a lot of those stuff. I just, I just love it. But thank God, God has brought people with greater competence. I need to be able to let that go. Okay, just, just, just do it, man. I don't want to know about it. Because if I know about it, I want to get involved. And I want to fix it, and I'll keep doing it until it's fixed. While I could be praying. I realized that in order for me to go further, I need to leverage other people's abilities. You too. What is it that you can do well? And then what is it that you can farm it up to somebody else to do for you? Ah, remember the vessels? Elijah said, go to your neighbors to borrow vessels. Elijah said, leverage your relationship to get stuff to help you because by yourself, your capacity is limited. You need to have somebody else's capacity to be added into your life to increase your capacity. 
You know, if you're not a good talker, negotiator, you know, you negotiate. Next time you need to go buy a used car, get somebody that can know how to negotiate and love to negotiate. I would offer my mom, but she's too old. My mom, she would negotiate just for the fun of it. I, I got that from her. I used to do that in Mexico, and my knees just despised me for that, you know. This little kid tried to sell me some, some, uh, some, some bracelet, you know, 10 peso. I said, no, I'll give it to you for one. My kids look at me, what? So cruel. What's wrong with you? I said, I, I thought you'd be so proud of being able to negotiate, you know. And it's like, oh, you're so cruel, you know. I think it was Victoria. I said, Uncle Paul, you're so cruel, whatever, right? Get somebody that can negotiate to, to, to help you. Leverage their talents. Leverage their giftings. Leverage. If you have a job interview, talk to, talk to some of those managers and directors in corporation and government. Ask them to do a mock interview with you. They'll teach you what to say, what not to say. Are you here this morning? We need to learn how to leverage from other people's talents. You're not meant to be on your own. Ecclesiastes 4, chapter 11, verse 13 says, Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? 12, and though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand. Therefore, threefold cord is not quickly broken. And the next verse is more interesting. Better was a poor and a wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. Now watch this. Back to the neighbor. I think I'm way over time. Back to the neighbor. See, the neighbor are the people that had relationship with her. Can you imagine she had no neighbor because she has been speaking her mind? Nobody wants to talk to her anymore. Or that she had not so. A lot of people say, who is my neighbor? Well, you know, Jesus answered that question. You know, he, you know, he was talking about love your neighbor as yourself. And people say, who is my neighbor? And Jesus gave this famous parable called the Samaritan, the Good Samaritan. In that parable, Jesus demonstrated who is our neighbor. Who is our neighbor? It's the people that we were willing to invest in. The neighbor of that person is the person who is trying to, who use, the merchant who uses money to take care of this, this person that had been robbed. You can have as many neighbors as you want if you're willing to sow into people's lives. Can you imagine when this widow go around and nobody wanted to open the door? No, don't want to talk to you. You offended me last time. Where were you when I needed you to lend me a jar? You were so selfish, blah, blah, blah. But she was able to gather many vessels. She's now able to increase her capacity for receiving the blessings of God because she had had already relationship established. And that's why I want to encourage you, don't live in isolation because isolation is a sure way to limit your capacity. Always be in relationships. That's why small group is so important. Please, involve in small group. It's not for Bible study and no more theology. It's fine that you want no more theology, but the key thing is relationship. You ask yourself this, this question. Tomorrow, if you were in hospital, who is going to come visit you? If, you? if you're depending on the pastor of the church, he may or may not come through.
We always had people, you know, hardly come to this church, hardly nobody connect. Something happened. Oh, let's call the church. And they call 8501252. And all they heard is, thank you for calling Willowdale Community Christian Assembly. If you know the extension of the party, you should call, please dial this. Uh, I don't know. But if that person had been in relationship, all they need to call is their cell leaders, their small group leaders, their friends in the group. Hey, you know, like something just happened. I need your help. Boom. Some of you experience this. You know, your wife just giving birth or, or, or you just gone to hospital, whatever. There are people there visiting you. Why? Because you have invested your time, your life in other people's life. The small groups, We've got five more weeks to go, maybe four weeks, four more weeks to go, and then it's over. Now, we, we, we're going to have next semester launch again in June, and I encourage you to be part of it. Don't be lonely. Isolation is a sure thing to limit your capacity. I'm going to share a couple of things that are kind of like on the other side that will limit our capacity is unforgiveness. Because unforgiveness blocks your sensitivity in your spirit to hear the voice of God. You know, it's so hard. Forgiveness is one of the hardest things, especially when you've been betrayed. God knows that. He understands that. And, and yes, it does take a bit of a time. But determine in your heart, I will not let the offender to limit my capacity. The guy's already moved on his merry way. You are still being caged. Don't let him cage you or let her cage you. Forgive so that you can open up your capacity and so that you can hear the voice of God. Sin. Sin also blocks sensitivity. There's no condemnation for what God forgiven you, but the consequences of sin always is not good. It blocks you. You know, John the Beloved says, those who claim to walk in the light cannot continue to practice sin. The message of grace is not a permissive message of sin. Are you here? God loves you. Yes, you can fail a million times. He will still grab you up, and He will still put a rope on you. He will still put a ring on you. But guess what? You're going to have to sometimes sit among the pigs. Don't want that. If you know the story, right? The prodigal son. Faithlessness, close-mindedness, resist change. Welcome change. I want this congregation to welcome change. Can I see people that welcome change here? Just raise your hand. Just, just thank you, right? I'm so glad many of you stuck around even after we have a smoke machine going. Good for you. You know why? Because, you know, those goody-two-shoe religious Christians, they're not our audience. I'm looking for those with a whole body full of tattoos walking into this church. They just go, whoa. Those are, our, you know, broken people. They're our audience. It may not excite you. I was talking to a pastor of a fairly large church, hearing his counsel. And you see, you know, he said, Brother Paul, do you know that all the song they sing is not the song that I actually enjoy at all? In my church. He said, if I lead worship, you'll be hallelujah. Or majesty. We used to have a sister here. She sings in opera. 
Just the whole church knew it, right? He said, I would love to sing those songs, but it's not about me. It's about reaching a new generation. So I let the young people lead worship, and they sing all kinds of songs that I'm not able to connect, but it's okay because the purpose of the mission is to reach the new generation. And I pray that God will put this in your heart rather than live selfish. You know, a lot of Christians, they're looking for churches that kind of give them the nostalgic feeling. It's like, where up in the well? What happened to all the old hymns? Well, honey, you're not the audience that we're trying to reach who wants to sing hymns. Go to a Presbyterian church, glory to Jesus. Go to a Reformed church, hallelujah. They have pipe organ galore, beautiful. If that's what, you know, tickle your fancy, go for it. No condemnation, man. But our mission is clear. We need to reach those who are not already in church. Hello, those of you watching on Facebook. That's what we're trying to reach you. Because you're not in church and there's no condemnation. We want to reach you. Hallelujah. We don't want to impress Christian. We want to impress you. <laughs> so be open-minded, yes? yes? Try to protect. The, another last one. I got tons of them, but I'm just going to do this. One more. Another one is try to protect what's not yours to protect. Hanging on to the things of the past. Mistake. Try to protect a mistake. Try to hang on to the failures. And even try to hang on to the successes. Or try to hang on to the images that have been projected onto you by other people, i.e. your parents. Oh, you know, my, my, my mom used to say, you, know, you, you just be a coder, you know, computer. Just, 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 just go do that. And I, that's why I took computer science. I said, okay, that's how we make money. All right. I remember having those summer jobs with computer. I needed coffee every 20 minutes. And that's why I couldn't sleep. The night, you know, I, when, at night I go home, I already have like five gallons of coffee. So I couldn't sleep the night. And the next day I had to go to work and it gotten worse. So I have to have 10 gallons now just to keep me going. And the cycle keeps going. You know, it was hard. It was boring. For me, it was. For some of you, you love it. It's your world. Right? But that's not me. So I allow other people's idea of who I am being projected to me. That, some, some of you, people have been telling you what you are. But God has something bigger for you. He has a bigger dream for you. Don't hang on to whatever image that somebody has already projected onto your life that is not of God. Say, God, give me new dreams. Give me new ideas. I am not what other people say I am. I am what you say I am. I want to be free in that. And so to, get, to, 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 to uncap that limitation is to remove the false image of who you are that has been projected onto you by others. Could you please stand this morning?